I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the best of life today live five of the best interviews from 2022 and sometimes controversy brings a lot of interest and I think that's some of the case with today's definitely tomorrow's you won't miss that. Brian Simmons is the lead translator of the passion. He calls it translation of the Bible and I think that's where some of the uh, controversy comes in. Is it is it a, a translation? Is it a paraphrase? Uh, some people really don't like it. Some people really love it. Wherever you're at, I think you'll find this interview interesting as we talk to Brian Simmons. The whole idea of translating the Bible kind of fascinates me. Uh, and I guess one question, since since I, I, I kind of know you a little bit, I can ask you this. Do you understand the spirit in which I ask it? But what makes you think you can translate the Bible for crying out loud? You know, I'm asked that a lot. People say, do you feel qualified? I said, who in the world is? I mean, this is the holy scripture. This is the word of God. And I've, uh, you know, I've given my life for, for uh, teaching, preaching, and evangelizing with the word of God. So I, I'm a total Bible guy. I was saved in the Jesus movement and fell in love with the living Bible. And I remember how God used that common uh speech to really touch the needs of my young heart at that time. So that, that kind of imprinted me years ago. But yeah, uh, my, my qualifications are that, that I, was, I was told to do this from the Lord. So that's why I'm, uh, whatever he tells you to do, he will, he will supply the need and, and meet the need you have to finish it. Oh, and and I, I get that. Um... But not everybody that says that could actually do this or do it well. So, I mean, you, you've got a lot of scholars uh, backing you up. There's, you, it's not just you. It's a team, yeah? No, we have a, a number of scholars that are working with me. We have a Fulbright scholar who was a contributor for the Bowers uh, Greek lexicon who's mm-hmm. helping me with the New Testament. We have a seminary uh, professor from... Uh, Switzerland helping me with the Old Testament, as well as others that are more specific to the book. Like right now, I'm doing the book of Zechariah. So I don't know yet who they've chosen, who our publishers have uh, approached to help me with this. But there will be, uh, alongside of me, there will be some good quality control to make sure that the Bible is both accurate and readable. So I don't know if people get this, but there's a difference between a translation and a paraphrase, uh, and uh, what like Eugene Peterson's uh, the Message Bible is a paraphrase, correct? That's right. Whereas yours is a translation. What what's the difference? Just so people understand. Well, you know, every translation uh, seeks to be accurate to the original manuscript, but I believe every translation, in a measure, is a paraphrase because it's just the syntax of Hebrew is not the syntax of English, and that would go for Greek as well. So you, of necessity, you have to move certain phrases and clauses from the beginning of a Hebrew sentence to the end of an English sentence. So that would not be paraphrasing in my, th- my thinking. So every translation has a measure of paraphrastic, um, you know, elasticity to it. 
Mm-hmm. But with the Passion Translation, uh, we, we have a high uh, goal of being accurate to the text, but accuracy, let's think about the word accuracy, Randy. Accuracy involves the heart behind it. This right. is why in English, you know, when we text each other, we have emoticons, <laughs> happy face, LOL, because we want to make sure, you know, that we, if we want to scream at somebody, we'll put all caps. <laughs> but but you, you don't have emoticons in the Bible. But yet there's a heart behind the text, and that's the heart of God. So we're trying to discover and uh, communicate and release through the words we choose. We're trying to release God's heart. God wants his word not only to touch our intellect, uh, but to touch the deepest place of our being, our heart, our spirit. I, I, that's interesting that, that you kind of liken it to this, you know, the texting and the social media stuff, because that's absolutely everyone who grew up without that, that when we got that and all of a sudden we started reading literal words and totally missing the heart behind what someone was saying. We thought people were mad at us or people thought we were being short with them. I mean, we all experienced that. So it's a very interesting phenomenon of language. Um, How do you, how do you get the heart of something that is in black and white letters. Well, let me give you an example. John chapter 15 says in verse two, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, I will take away. That's the the modern uh, translation of that verse. Mm -hmm. However, in researching that verb, another alternate meaning of that verb is to lift up. Matter of fact, that's the way it should be translated. And I've had scholars contact me and say that I was the only one that really captured in the translation the the accurate meaning of John 15, verse 2, that every branch in me is in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you're a living branch, but you may go through a fruitless season. So every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, The Lord says, I will lift up. I'll get it off the ground. I'll attach it back to the vine where it can receive its nourishment. I will make sure that you become fruitful. So the burden of you bearing fruit as a Christian is God's. And that's that's powerful. And, uh, of course, we footnote it uh, adequately, I trust, where the reader can really do their own study and do their own research. But... You know, an angry translator is going to have an angry translation. I guarantee it. <laughs> and if, if you're drenched in the, the love theology of the Word of God and you understand uh, the heart of God, and I'm not trying to say that Bible translators in the past have not, but I have found on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis, I've found scriptures that, that just need to be uh, adequately expressed. And if it takes two or three words to do it, let's do it. The word-for-word translation is a myth. Uh, it is not possible to do a Hebrew word into one English word. There are Hebrew words that have 50 meanings, 50. Mm-hmm. And you're going to cut 49 of them out when you pick one. So hopefully you'll get the context and the narrative correct so you can get the accurate one of the 50. But uh, it's so important that we, we understand that. The fear of God, for example... The fear of God is the threshold of wisdom, but what is that? Is that just is that trembling in in uh, dread mm-hmm. of of having God as a father, or is the fear of God 
uh, yire is the, the Hebrew. It, it means reverence. It means jaw-dropping wonder. Hmm. It means to be in such awe of God. You you don't want to do anything except please his heart. That's what uh, the Hebrew concept of. And sadly, the English word fear of God doesn't always convey that. Yeah, and that, that's that particular verse is one of my... I, I'm a, not I, I understand the breakthrough that the King James version was, yeah. But I am such not a fan of of that version in today's society because it was translated into King James English for one, um, also translated with limited resources uh, as, as another one. But also, it's just uh, I just it doesn't work today if, well, if you ask me. But yeah, if you believe in unicorns. Uh, King James has unicorns at least four times, and uh, it, it's proven that the book of James is not James, not in Greek or Hebrew. It, it's the book of Jacob. But because a king by the name of James commissioned a Bible, he got a book named after him. You know, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and James. No, it's really Jacob. So we, we make that clear. Uh, if you want to talk about accuracy, how about translations really translating the book title itself? Are, are, are you suggesting that that book was not written by the half-brother of Jesus, or is that his actual No, name? it was, but his name was Jacob, not James. Oh. The half-brother of Jesus was Jacob. There's no such thing as James in Greek or Hebrew. Well, that's my first name. I'm slightly offended by that. <laughs> no, that is fascinating. I mean, and you know, there's there's just all sorts of things. Um, yeah, what about the New King James? Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, it's it's an improvement, of course. Yeah. And, and I just, if I could just add real quick that the, we we're not at odds at other translations, and the no, best I'm... translation is the one that you believe and you read and you live it and you you enjoy it. So that's why we have a plethora of translations in English today. All right. One, someone in the audience has has a point, and I hear this. And well, okay. And she she says, you know, we're we're told not to add or to take away from the word of God. Um, how, do you that? How does that even work with translating the Bible? If if because otherwise we should all be reading in Hebrew and Greek, right? Yeah, I, I think we have uh, italicized words and. In many translations, sadly, some are not doing that, but we're, we're going through thoroughly Passion Translation and going to, we're italicizing words that have, of necessity, had to be brought in for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. uh, an ellipsis in the text or, or something contextually that would confuse you if you didn't know that it's, it's God speaking. Right. So, you know, chapter numbers, headings, every Bible on your book bookshelf will have added to it mm -hmm. <laughs> things that, you know, so I, I, the thing I would say is let's start with not taking away from the scripture, Man. not just adding to it. Cause everybody wants to talk about adding to the scripture and they're legit. That's right. Amen. I'm with you a hundred percent, but where are the voices the same? We're not told to take away. And I feel like some things in the scripture have been taken away. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to uh, go back to the cutting room floor, so to speak. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the word um, chesed, which is the, 
an untranslatable word. There are books, volumes written on one Hebrew word. And, it, and in English, there is not a word that can translate chesed. So you have to use a clause or a phrase. Mm -hmm. So are you adding to the scripture if you're bringing out its true meaning? I don't think so. Well, and, and I would even maybe look at the idea of what is the word. And uh, in, in, in according to John 1.1, 1, 1, that would be Christ. And so it's not adding or taking away from a translation of a book as, as it is to, to add to Christ, which I would argue some certain uh, unorthodox religions do add this whole version yeah. of Christ that we refer to as yeah. another Jesus. And, and so, I, yeah, I, I, I'm just wondering if we don't even understand that properly. But let, me, let, yeah. me, let me back up a little bit, because you talked about every branch that does not bear fruit. And I know that as we'll be cut off and like, you're gone, you're cast into fire. I mean, that's what I was raised to believe in order to, oh, my gosh, I better bear fruit or God's going to get me, which is uh -huh. totally contrary to the whole message of the gospel. But yet when we read these things in the Bible, I mean, if we don't know, we think, well, that is what the Bible says. So am I, what does well, it mean? I'm going to hell now because I didn't bear the right fruit? Or does that just mean that I'm not, Jesus yeah. is going to turn his back on me, which is contrary to everything scripture tells me about the nature of Christ. But what you're saying is that we'll be lifted up and the, and the burden is on the Holy Spirit to work through us. Uh, there's... Right has to be in my mind some sort of surrender let go you know at least um but well there is you're, you're changing the meaning this is this is not what i was taught right and uh you've heard the saying lost in translation and sadly that verse it, uh, is one of many one of many i'm just using it as a classic example of a uh, what i consider to be a mistranslated verb that it can be take away, but predominant meaning of that verb is to lift up. Mm. And um, there are scholars that are analyzing it and they're coming into agreement with what, I, what I've done there in that text. Further on, farther on in that text, it does say that the dead branches will be cast into the fire, mm -hmm. but we are not dead branches. Mm. We are in him, every branch in me. So we're living branches that go through a fruitless season. And uh, it just, to me, that reveals the heart of God, his caring love as a father. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're talking to Brian Simmons, uh, and this is a new version of the Passion Translation that's out called the Masterpiece Edition. It comes with beautiful artwork as well. And I'll let you talk a little bit about the artwork in there just so people understand what, what Ron's done and what how that helps bring the, the scripture to life. We have corroborated with a world-renowned artist, Ron DeCiani, who has captured, in my opinion, uh, one, one of the great merger, merging of generations. For example, here's a, a picture of Stephen being stoned. Mm. But if you look at the wrists, one has, is a woman with a bracelet, modern day, and the other is a modern day man's wrist with a watch. So he's pointing to the fact we could be just as guilty of stoning God's servants as they were in that time. There's another one he has of a man in his office, executive, obviously in a suit, you know, beautiful office. And here's Jesus kneeling down, washing his feet. Hmm. 
And it, it just, it's like the Jesus of old and the need of the modern person today. It's a beautiful concept that he's captured. We have 60 unique pieces there uh, in the Masterpiece Edition. Uh, all right, I'm over here reading the chat, pardon me. And I have a good question. So in, I, I do want to ask you some other questions, especially when we get into gender pronouns. I, I know that's, that's a fun question. But <laughs> on the branches, someone says that God trims the branches, meaning that he will show us what we are doing wrong and confess it. Is, is she says, am I using that correctly? Is that yes, the way you yes. understand it? Yeah, it, it speaks about cleansing you know, that he'll, he'll cleanse us. And cleansing involves repentance. It involves confessing our sin and acknowledging our need before God. Hmm. But the, the central theme of John 15 is this wonderful, wonderful vine dresser, the, the keeper of the vineyard. His name is Father God, and he is responsible. Uh, Jesus is that central vine, and we are all branches united into him. And and that God himself will make us fruitful. To me, that's the takeaway of uh, the first half of John 15. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. You know, I think it was Lisa Harper that said to me that that we tend to see the Bible just as a rule book. And there, there certainly there are, are rules in there, but she says it's it's a love story. Is that the way you see it? Is this Are the scriptures oh. a love story? Amen. It's, you know, from the very beginning, you know, you have... Uh, divine romance woven into the scriptures. And, uh, you know, Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding and uh, his teachings before he was crucified on a cross, his last teachings were about a bride and a bridegroom. You think about it, the very last, almost the last verse in our Bible is uh, the spirit and the bride mm. say come. So I see woven throughout every narrative, every book in the Bible, the heartbeat of God, which is, the love of Jesus Christ and that he has come to not only save us, get us to heaven, but he's come for a partner, for a bride. Hmm. And uh, male or female, we're all part of that, that bridal company. I, you know, I, I think it's essential that we keep that at the forefront because it's true. And a lot of times when we read a scripture or hear a scripture preached, that seems to contradict that nature of God. Um, it's oftentimes used wrong and out of context. I think we, you and I have both seen that tons. But also, I think sometimes, well, my, my, my former pastor, because we moved, um, I still think of him as my pastor, but he used to always say, if, if there's something you don't understand in Scripture, it's just because you don't understand it. And I think a lot of times we do, we do that, and we think, well, it, we need to understand when we need to realize and admit, well, this is just something I don't understand as opposed to, you know, a contradiction in scripture or some other problem with the, it could be a bad translation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How much of, how were you, you were raised, so you're in the Jesus movement. Were you raised in a, in a pretty traditional church or you charismatic church? Uh no, I was um, I was full blown pagan. I went from <laughs> LSD to GOD one day. Um, I, I just got a radical conversion and and uh, kind of launched out into discovering who God is. And I had good mentors. I thank God for the uh, men that that mentored me and helped me and put up with me. 
and uh, trained me. So <laughs> well, that's my background. I, I was I was I was asking that because um, I know a lot of us that are raised in, in the church, and the you know the more fundamentalist you get, sometimes the the more uh, the scripture can be that that bludgeon that that punishment. Um, literally, I know people that were punished as children by having to read the Bible, which I think is just awful. It's just shockingly bad, you know? Go into your room and read the Bible and don't come out until you glow in the dark. (laughs) Right. And that's just, it's like, it's just so, so twisted. Um, I was just, I was going to ask and I'll just, I'll ask it anyway, but having done and continuing to, to do these deep dives into scripture where do you think a lot of us in the church have gotten it wrong? Well, I, I think it's the heart of God. I think, you know, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, read the Bible. <laughs> he wants us to know his heart and to hear his voice. My sheep follow me. They, they listen to my voice. They will hear my voice and follow me. And that hearing heart that Solomon prayed for, he didn't really pray. He prayed for wisdom, but God says, I'm going to give you a listening heart a heart that will hear me. And that's what wisdom is, is a heart that really hears God. And to, to know the heart of God is the, the goal of life. And when you discover how kind, gentle, merciful, and Jesus is the one who is the, uh, you know, he's, he is God incarnate. He's the one who came to model and express the Father to us. And uh, Jesus himself said, I'm meek and lowly, I'm gentle. I will not give you a yoke that's too heavy to carry. I, I will walk with you. I'll be there. I'll answer your prayers. You pray in my name. And, and just over and over, we have all of these tremendous truths of who God is. And to, to miss that is to miss the Bible. You can read the yeah. Bible and memorize it. I actually memorized 17 books of the New Testament Jeez. the first three years of my conversion. What, I, I was crazy. What, what version? Ready. What version? Uh, <laughs> well, it was the New King James, and then okay. NIV came around, you know, never improved version, you know, and, and I had to kind of learn some more uh, verses, and but um, it made me self-righteous. Yeah, I had to learn to love my wife and to be a, a father to mm-hmm. my children, to be a man that would uh, walk with Jesus and, and live in his strength and power, not my own. So I love the Bible, but uh, reading it, is not as good as knowing the author. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, but doesn't it says I will meditate on your words day and night? Doesn't it say bind up yeah. your word in my heart? So is there not a level of studying the scriptures that is oh, recommended yeah. in scriptures? Oh, of course, yeah. He wants us to to meditate, which is murmur, which is to speak out. You know, he told Joshua, "Don't ever stop speaking. Don't let it depart out of your mouth." And, so the, always having the word of God in our consciousness, uh, I, I'd never want to d- diminish in any way the, the validity, the power, the necessity of reading, studying, and, and walking in the light of the word of God. But uh, a lot of atrocities have been done by people who know the Bible. Hmm. Yeah. Well, or at least claim to, to know it. Or claim to, yeah. yeah. But you're right. They seem to not know the author. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's just a little side question because it's a very real deal. I mean, obviously the King James was at a time of patriarchy and 
Um, there's a lot, and yet now we live in this era where masculine is a is is a negative thing, crazy, right? And where you know right. women are women and men are too. Um, and you got I, like I just I still laugh when I see somebody's profile on social media that says him slash his or they. It's like what we've lost our ever loving minds. But into this morass of society, you have to deal with uh, whether Scripture is addressing men or women or both and to try to translate that in an accurate way. In a lot of cases, you have used things like beloved ones instead of brothers, for example. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's right. Uh, but how, how big of a challenge has that been? Well, it's a great challenge. Gender uh, identity and gender pronouns are, um, you know, they are real and they are meant to to release truth to us. And I I think, like you said, brothers being uh, beloved, which of course would include women. Are we going to be so literalistic that we believe that Paul only wrote to men when he says brothers? Uh, but, you know, Adelphi is the, the Greek word, and there's a lot of debate over whether it can be used for men and women, and I personally believe that it can. And uh, uh, I, I found a number of places where, um, how can I say it, where women have not been honored oh, in yeah. Bible translations. Oh, yeah. And uh, verifiable that... Uh, Junius in the book of Romans 16 is a classic example of a list of number of women that are listed there. And, and um, it, it's amazing. I, there's twice where God tells women to be quiet in the church, only twice in the New Testament. And both of those locations, there were temples to Diana. <clears throat> there was the goddess worship was the deity of that city, Corinth and Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And to them, he, he wrote to the newly converted women to, to grow, to learn, don't, because they were used to being the priestess mm-hmm. in goddess worship, and they'd come into the church and try to take over. And he was basically saying, no, the culture of, of the kingdom of God is not the culture of the temple to Diana. So we, we grow, we learn. Um, I think he would tell men to be quiet, too, if, we, if we're not going to speak in the spirit, if we're not going to bring the life and love of God to the congregation, um, you know, no one should speak. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let me, let me ask you about that because that's one of my pet peeves. Um, and <laughs> so much of scripture is, is context. I mean, let's face it, especially in the letters of Paul, we're reading right. someone else's mail. And when Paul says <laughs> you, He's talking to typically a congregation of believers in the first century. He's not talking to you and me in the 21st century. Now, that doesn't mean we can't extract some eternal truths, Mm -hmm. but it also doesn't mean that everything Paul says to a congregation is universally true and timeless, does it? Because I think... well, I don't see our churches, uh, especially today with COVID, I don't see holy kisses going around the church oh, yeah. anywhere. And yet we're told 
How about obeying that command to greet one another with a holy kiss, and yet we're not doing it? So yeah. no, <laughs> there yeah. are cultural implications. I, I visit your church, and the pastor wants to make out with my wife. It's going to get ugly fast. So, oh yeah, you know. going downhill. <laughs> yeah, real fast. So, but but how do you, how do how do we how do we navigate that? What what is an absolute well, eternal uh, command? Yeah, I think you know. I think we need to understand the cultural implications of of two uh, thousand year old manuscripts, sometimes three thousand year old manuscripts that have been uh, translated. Uh, there there is a culture behind it. And to ignore that is to, to me, is to cut off the meaning of the text. We're, we're yeah. taking away oh, from yeah. the scripture. Yeah, uh, no, a- absolutely. That's that's so much the case. All right, Brian, this has been a fun conversation. It's a little little nerdy, and I love it. So I appreciate <laughs> you having it. Uh, before I let people go, uh, I'll show you the website, thepassiontranslation.com. Uh, let's see, it looks like that right there. And I'll put it in the chat for you guys that are chat-enabled as well. Uh, and you can check that out, and you can see the the new edition with the beautiful artwork. Uh, but last word, uh, I'll let you have, Brian, um, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to say, because, I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty cool thing. And I know a lot of people really, really love, they're passionate about the Passion Translation. And so you, you've obviously struck a nerve somewhere. But um, what, what's, what's the last thing you want to say to our audience before I let you go? God thinks of you constantly. Those of you who are viewing right now, that he has you in his thoughts. Psalm 139 says, it, it, the thoughts God has toward you cannot even be numbered. Hmm. You, there's no way you can, they're more than the grains of sand on the sea. And his thoughts are filled with love, with hope, faith, hope, and love for you. And God's plan for you, uh, as you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and walk with him, his plan for you is perfect. He's never made a mistake in your life, and he never will. And he's worth following, loving, and serving. So I, I hope the Passion Translation will be an aid for millions of mm. English speakers to come to know this God of love. Wow, that's good. My prayer for you, too. It looks just like this. You can pick up uh, the, the Passion Translation, uh, including the new Masterpiece Edition Wherever you buy books, I always recommend the Christian outlets. Uh, Christianbook.com is one of them, uh, but you can, you can pick that up. So do check that out and uh, come back. We've got more great interviews for you this year. I mean, January's already booked up, and I've got a lot of good guests like Brian coming on. And just we're looking forward to a great year, and I'm glad you're a part of it. Please hit share or subscribe if you haven't done that. Follow, depending on where you're at. And come back. We'll see you next time here on Life Today Live.